Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Today, we have a very special panel for you guys. I'm joined with four... Uh, well, three other uh, wonderful women in the mushing community. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's on the other end of our leads. So most of the time here, we're talking about our dogs and training for the dogs. But of course, with Dog Powered Sports, this is a team event. And we definitely have to think about the musher and taking care of the musher. So today, the other women that are joining me all have different health challenges that sometimes put a wrench in our own training plans. And we're going to talk a a little bit about self-care and living with chronic illness and how you guys can still get out and enjoy these dog powered sports that you love safely and in the right way. So I'll start us off. We're just going to go around and give a brief introduction. So obviously, if you've been following along with the podcast, you know me. Uh, I'm Chelsea. I am a professional dog trainer here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I enjoy dog powered sports with my Alaskan Malamutes. Uh, we enjoy bike joring, ski joring, canicross, a little bit of everything, mostly recreational, but we did hit up some sanctioned races last year and had a blast hanging out with everyone and getting to know everyone. Uh, and I currently have been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and they are monitoring me for some other autoimmune challenges. So I get a lot of joint pain. Fatigue is definitely a challenge for me. Um, and it's pretty chronic. So I'm definitely on meds that have helped, but it's been a journey and most days are pretty challenging for me. Um, so we're going to dive into some of that and share with you guys uh, how you can help care for your body so you can keep doing this. So let's head over to V. You want to get us started? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm Vanessa Blackstone. Um, I have one day, hopefully, Ravenstone Malamutes. Um, that's my breed of choice in the uh, sled dog arena. Um, I'm mostly in recreational mushing and I, to be honest, got into it for the dogs. Um, due to my chronic illness, I sometimes don't have the energy or the speed to give them what they need and being able to get behind a vehicle while they powered it for me meant that they're able to get some of that physical activity that I could not give them otherwise. I was diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2013, and while I've been treated for that, I'm one of those lucky few that have long-term uh, challenges after the fact, and there's a whole, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, um, but what that means for me in practicality is um, there is some cognitive challenges with that, but mostly with the dogs, it boils down to physical flares, so fatigue and inflammation and things like that where I just cannot get up and go take them on a long hike on my own two legs. It's just not going to happen. But the dogs still need to have that outlet. Um, and so that's that's how I started, was trying can across ineffectively because I could not go the speed they wanted to, even though they're just trying. <laughs> um, and so then I added a bike and got on the bike behind them, and, and that's that's been working out really well. Excellent. Thank you. And if you guys hear some noises in the background while we are filming this, we have a plethora of animals that are on screen and behind the scenes that you can't see, uh, including some birds. And Lisa, who's going to chime in next, is currently sitting in a puppy pile. So Lisa, you want to share a little bit about yourself and your dogs? Okay. I'm Lisa DiGennaro. I accidentally got into mushing. Um, when I bought my first house, 
I didn't want to be lonely. So I did a bunch of research and decided that a Siberian Husky would be a good fit for me. Um, just because like, I really enjoyed biking and like being outside, but wasn't a runner. Um, but from the research, I, I, I learned that I could bike with them. So even though I wasn't going to be a cannon crosser, that I could still satisfy the dog's needs. Um, little did I know that this first dog of mine was really, really going to be into it. So we just, like, it just was a rabbit hole. Um, so I went from a bike to a scooter to a neighbor saw me walking that had a Siberian Husky. And she asked if I wanted to try with her dog too. So suddenly there was a two dog team. Then a friend of hers had a Husky as well that was about the same age. And it was like, you, do you want to run ours too? Because it's crazy. So then I had three of them. And then from there, a friend of the friends of the friends had a sibling to one of the dogs from, a, from the same litter. And suddenly I had a four dog team <laughs> that and- I was training with. And you've grown substantially from there with your your household of dogs now and your involvement in the sport. And talk to us a little bit about what types of dog-powered sports you do with your Huskies and a little bit about your chronic illness. Okay. So um, so I'm, I'm into team sports. I'm not really into the mono sports. So like two-dog scooter, uh, you know, the small kick sled, two dog sled sports, four, four dog and six dog for both sled and rig. Um, and then I'm really active in the community. I'm president of Sled Dog Sports Association of uh, Southern Ontario. And uh, so I help organize multiple events, more or less not during COVID time, though. Um, so I helped uh, get the McGregor Park Dryland Dog Sled Derby off the ground. Um, I help organize Seguin Mail Run, uh, information sessions, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Sasso Splash, dock diving for, for all for all sporting dogs, anyone who wants. Um, so yeah, and my chronic illness is fibromyalgia. So um, kind of similar to yours, I have um, a lot of problems with fatigue. I have really low lows and not so great highs. Um, a lot of pain, especially. Um, the, the more I stay still, so sleeping overnight, the, the more pain I end up in the morning and I'll like get out of bed and walk like a little old, like 80 year old little woman with these tiny little frail steps and, um, and, and lots and lots of pain, um, which is, can be emotional, like adds that emotional aspect to, um, the illness as well. Mm-hmm. So so those are some of the things I, I struggle with. Um, one of the great things uh, when I was diagnosed only two years ago was that I honestly thought they were going to tell me to get rid of all the dogs because you can't handle it. The, what I found out was they said, if that's what gets you out of bed, that's what drives you to take one step after the other and keep going, don't get rid of the dogs. Don't push yourself to the point of utter exhaustion but one of the things with fibromyalgia is you have to think of yourself as almost the tin man. And as soon as you stop moving, you start rusting and it's harder to get going again. As long as you keep moving, motion is lotion and that will, will help you fight the illness. Yeah, I feel that quite a bit with mine too. You know, to a certain extent, we have to rest so that we're not uh, doing too much for the body. But 
as long as I keep some gentle motion in, that definitely helps. So I can definitely relate to you on that front. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's definitely days where even, you know, going for a walk is painful or even trying to get on a bicycle is painful, but you just learn to do what you can and make the best of it. And that's Mm -hmm. where something like a free run is a phenomenal asset because on those days that you maybe did plan to take the team for a run, but you just physically can't do it. At least you can take them out to the free run. And, and as long as you can be out there with them, they're pretty happy and they're, they are getting some form of exercise. Yep, absolutely. Lots of creative ways for us to keep our dogs fit, which we'll dive into more a little later. So Becca, let's head over to you now if you want to introduce yourself for everybody and uh, talk to us a little bit about your dogs and dog-powered sports and uh, your chronic illness. Sure. So my name is Becca Gunner. Um, I've been in dogs. I wouldn't say mushing, but I've been in dogs for my entire life. Um, I actually started out with horses before, um, and I got into the mushing community. I had gotten two husky mixes um, out of college. I actually got them because of my condition. Um, I needed something. I just needed something um, to get me out of the house um, and to think about something else. So I got these two dogs, and I had always wanted huskies. So, you know, they were cute, and I got them. Um And then, you know, as time went on, I just kind of explored different sports, hiking, um, until I remembered one day that, you know, that people dog sled. (laughs) So, so I had, you know, really researched a lot and kind of started to get into it with my bike. And uh, from there, it kind of was a cascading addiction in its own sense. Um, I mean, really, it's dogs in general have been almost like an addiction um (laughs) for every you know every time that your uh your chronic your chronic illness starts to take effect you think oh i'm gonna go get another piece of equipment to get my mind off of it and (laughs) feel better so that's kind of where you know getting into mushing started with me and then i just found people and mentors and i took the leap and went to a race in the middle of winter, I had no idea races were even a thing. Showed up with a pair of skis and my two dogs. I had no idea what I was doing, and it was terrifying, but I was hooked. <laughs> but um, as far as my um, chronic illness, I have Hashimoto's disease and um, also PCOS. They're both hormone-related diseases and autoimmune. Um, I'm still in the whole diagnostic stage of the whole autoimmune battle it never ends um there's when you have one autoimmune disease you probably have 10 (laughs) that's just the unfortunate aspect of it um but for the most part everything that i deal with is driven by hashimoto's disease um which is a thyroid condition but um i've had it since i was i believe 19 now um, and coming from a family where nobody had a health issue at all, it was a devastating thing to learn. One day your doctor just tells you, you know, you have, you have a disease and it's not ever going to go away. So, you know, you find yourself in a lull and that's when dogs came back into my life. Um, I switched from horses to dogs. I was training horses. Um, and I'm also a vet tech. 
so always immersed in animals but I was training horses and getting beat up a lot <laughs> yep I, I thought that dogs would be safer but it, it's not the case so <laughs> but um I had been training dogs anyways and I took the leap and got two dogs of my own to just I just needed to have an outlet for myself and little did I know that huskies were a perfect fit for what I needed so <laughs> an unusual fit now. one might say but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for all of us you know that's something that drove us into it so now that everybody listening knows a little bit more about our wonderful guests we're going to kind of dive in so in my experience everybody that I have talked to that suffers from a chronic illness learns how to care for themselves in a very unique way and even if you don't have an autoimmune disease or a chronic condition yourself, you can learn a lot from talking to people about kind of a holistic approach to it. Our sport and our jobs definitely take a big toll on our body. And depending on how many dogs we have and how engaged we are in the sport, it can be like a whole other full-time job. And that's exhausting. <laughs> um, it means being on your feet quite a bit. It means long drives to run the dogs on private trails, long drives to events, and keeping yourself and your dogs in the best shape that you guys can be in. And there's a lot of evidence that shows benefits to regular exercise um, with a lot of chronic illnesses and autoimmune diseases. Like Lisa mentioned, you know, motion is lotion. I love that because it's true to some extent. Being able to keep your body moving, you know, a body in motion stays in motion, then that's definitely true for me. But a lot of days it can be really hard to even get up and get out of bed. So for you ladies, what do you think is the biggest challenge for you with your chronic illness and engaging in the sport at a regular basis? That's a loaded question. <laughs> it's um, deep. Yeah. It is. It is because every day is different. Um, and so regularity, that is something that I personally can't do. It would be nice to, and I'll get on a streak where everything's going super regular for a while. And I'm like, yeah, I'm walking the dogs every day. We're getting out. We're doing the thing. Um, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, nope, not doing that not doing that for two days, three days, four days. Now what? So getting them that daily physical exercise that they need, especially in hot weather, like now uh, in August, when I can't really dry land mush due to the temperatures. So keeping them conditioned for longer trails is a challenge too, because, you know, they need that consistent push to get longer and longer trails. Mm -hmm. But if I need to take a break, then all of a sudden they get set back too. And it's not just me. So we have yet to hit our 10 mile trail mark because we're doing sixes, we're doing eights, something happens. And now, now we're back to fours and I have to work them back up again. Um, and it, it's, it's still difficult. You know, I had my disease before I got the dogs and found mushing as a way to help cope with that. So during whether when it's appropriate, it's easier for them to get that physical exercise. And mm -hmm. when it's when it's too hot, you know, now I'm trying to find things like good river access so that if nothing else, I can at least take them on a long line down to the river and they can get some resistance training built up and, and get some of their physical needs met while I'm just, you know, floating around them um, and, and not needing to to put out as much effort as, as they would prefer I do. <laughs> yeah. I think that regularity is really challenging for me as well with 
with flare-ups that happen, you know, you finally feel like you're getting in a good rhythm and things are going really well and you're building up the mileage or getting good training runs. And then all of a sudden something happens and it can feel sometimes like you're starting from scratch each time you try to build back up again. Um, you know, but that's where having that kind of creative, uh, fitness routine can be helpful to keep the dogs in shape so that, you know, even if we have to take a little time away, our dogs are still in a lot of shape. And I know Lisa was talking about that with her dogs. And I know Becca, that's something you do quite a bit too. You do a ton of free running and alternative cross training to keep your dogs in shape. So, yeah, I do a lot of, you know, things with them, you know, it's therapeutic to me, um, which is why a lot of why I've come up with these programs for my dogs and really finding the time for the dogs is easy for me it's the problem is managing it with work and my home life and the occasional autoimmune flare like you were saying um for me and i know a lot of people have this problem but i have food sensitivities so like right now i'm doing a terrible thing and i'm drinking starbucks because i'm exhausted because i groomed dogs all day today but i'll pay for it and i know that Um, and, you know, balancing work, working long hours, then coming home and, you know, we were building a house. So then building a house. And then for me, the dogs were my escape. But when you have an autoimmune disease, you don't necessarily always realize that even though it's your escape, it's still taking a toll on your body. So what I was finding is, you know, I was happy because I was getting to do all these things with my dogs. But then all of a sudden, one day I was you know, um, basically I wouldn't say crippled, but just, you know, I didn't have a choice. It would put me out. Um, and I would have to sleep for a whole day. I'd be just out or my stomach would be upset or my skin would be flaring up. And that's something that's very hard to cope with when it happens. So you have to really be careful about balancing, even though it feels good at the time, you know, I know I need to do this with my dogs. I like doing this with my dogs. Sometimes I actually have to take a step back and say, I'm going to give myself this much time to do what I'm doing. And then I need to rest or I need to meal prep or, you know, pay attention, do stretching or pay attention to what my body's telling me because you lose track of it because you want to do what you want to do and not necessarily your body is against itself at that point. That's the autoimmune battle. <laughs> I think I think what you said is huge there is that we go to these sports for a physical and mental outlet for ourselves without realizing or even taking time to appreciate the fact that it is also taking a big toll on our body. You know, and something that a lot of autoimmune people talk about is having spoons right? Having enough spoons to get through the day. And every day you wake up with a certain number and that number is very different each day. And as you do different things, sometimes very mundane things like cleaning the house or exhausting mundane things like Becca building a new house and building a dog yard and putting up fences, you know, all of these life things we have to do take away those spoons. And even though our escape is doing these dog sports, those dog sports are also taking up some of those spoons. Have you found a way it with your life, Becca, to manage that, to start to, um, you know, identify when you're running out of spoons and when you kind of need to take a break, or is that still something that you're balancing? It's definitely something I've gotten much better at. And 
you know, we, we did, you know, this has been the hardest year of my life as far as autoimmune flares and mental toll, emotional toll and everything. But now that we're through building the house and, you know, everything is kind of settled in place, I've realized through that whole process, I've realized so much about my own body and, you know, what, what I need to be careful of. And, you know, I learned certain motions even can trigger me to be basically in pain. Um, but I've gotten a lot better at it. And now that things are kind of settled, I have more of a routine and I think it's important for me, at least, I don't know. I don't want to give any kind of advice to anyone, but for me, I had to sit down one day and basically say, this isn't going away. I need to find a way to make it work and be happy. So for me, it's just chugging along and, you know, every day is a new project for me, (laughs) even though it's painful, it's a new project. And, um, I just, that's what keeps me going, keeps me happy and just keep learning every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learning. I think it's hard, you know, because everybody, even if you are diagnosed with the same autoimmune disease, everybody's experience with it is so different. And I, I love what you said about the food sensitivity thing, because obviously a lot of people who have health issues, I find that suffer chronically tend to have more than one challenge and often find more than one solution uh, in terms of dealing with it and managing their overall health. And so obviously Diet and nutrition is really important. Have any of you guys added any other, you know, rituals or programs in to help you deal with either the mental component or any of the physical stress to help keep your body healthy? Oh, it's all, that's all a thing, right? Because the, the things that my emotions tell me will make me feel better from a long history of eating delicious hyper palatable foods as a child like french fries and chocolate and all those things um have the exact opposite effect physically so you know becca you mentioned food issues i've got those as well no more gluten so goodbye most breads um you know uh, a lot of things and it's really difficult when you're in a flare and you're fatigued and you're busy and you're running around and you need to support your body. And then if you haven't food prepped and made your own food and done all these things to help you through that, then you're kind of screwed because finding it available quickly is really difficult. I'm short of going in the grocery store and there's a couple things you might be able to get, but you know, all the fast options, just about every fast food restaurant is going to be bad. It's going to make your flare worse. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a huge challenge um, that has come up for me probably more than anything else is the, the food stuff. Um, now you, I recently saw, and I hope you're okay with sharing this. Um, I recently saw you reorganize your fridge in the most brilliant way. Will you please tell us what you did? Cause I think this is so fantastic. Yes. Um, and I have to give this as a shout out to the ADHD community that, um, put this out there where I encountered it. Um, so, you know, most fridges we're used to putting all of our condiments and, you know, salad dressing and, olives and you know all of these things that we don't tend to use very often right there in the fridge door and then all the things that especially those with chronic illness that should be having 
all the vegetables and fruits are down in the very bottom out of sight in these drawers that are supposedly like ideal community, but I still don't know how to switch that little toggle between humid and not humid that's appropriate for the vegetables in question. Like, I don't know how that works. Um, <laughs> I'm 42 and I'm still adulting and I don't know how that works. It's a mystery box. So I saw this idea to just totally throw that out and put all your fruits and veggies in the side doors, put them up in the shelves where they're front, you know, front and center, right where you can see everything. And all the condiments, like if I'm going to get ketchup, I know I'm going to need to go get ketchup. I can go look for it. I don't need to see it all the time. So now it's down in one of those useless drawers with low humidity because I'm pretty sure bottles of ketchup don't, don't need humidity. Um, and, and that's, it's been helping, right? So now I open the fridge and my habit is to open the fridge and look to see if there's anything I want. And now I can eat the grapes that are right there instead of opening the fridge, not seeing anything immediately, closing it, and then going to the pantry where all of the potato chips and, you know, my husband's gluten-filled items are stored that I should not be eating. So that's, um, it's helping a little bit. I thought that was brilliant because I, I, as soon as you explained what you did and why with changing food, I looked at my fridge and I thought, oh my gosh, I do the same thing. And food plays such a huge part of, you know, keeping our bodies fueled with the stuff we need, keeping a lot of that, I'll say, junk out of our systems, because usually people with uh, chronic illness and even people without chronic illness that are really busy, you know, we're grabbing food on the go all the time. And I'm very much so like if it's not easy to grab when I'm doing 10,000 other things, I'm going to get something else. And so you've inspired me and I have changed I'm working on changing my fridge and putting some of those healthy things where I can see them, where they're easy to grab. You know, we do food prep for our dogs all the time. I mean, I'm constantly stuffing puzzle toys and Kongs for the dogs. Like <laughs> it should be easy for me to food prep for myself and put those healthy things where I can grab them. But, you know, sometimes right. well, caring for the human is a little harder than caring for the dogs. It, it is. And, you know, when I need to get out and exercise, do I do it for me? No, I do it because Shoku, my boy, is looking at me like, can we go for a walk, please? Yeah, that's when I go. I don't do it because I need to. I do it because he needs to. So it makes the food prep a little more challenging because even though we do it for the dogs, doing it for yourself, that motivation just isn't, isn't there. And it should be because long term to be there for my dogs, I need to do those things for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not how the brain works, right? So it, it doesn't make that connect very easily. And food prepping is huge. If you've, if you've done the food prepping and the right things are in the fridge, it's so much easier to make the right choices, but you have to take the time to do it every week, all the time. Yeah, consistency is key. It's how we make progress with our dogs and it's how we make progress with ourselves. Um, it's exhausting, meal prepping. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have enough to deal with. It makes it, it almost makes it painful to me to, to meal prep. I know it sounds cheesy, but I'm terrible at it. And I'll be the first person to admit I'm not the best at taking care of myself with my diet. I've gotten a lot better, but it's one of those things that I, I know what my triggers are and I still, I'm like, I'm not willing to give up certain things because it's like, I can't have dairy. I can't have gluten. I can't have this. I can't have that. And the simplest things one day are fine. And then the next day they're not. And it's just exhausting. So I've kind of come to crossroads in my life where it's just about clean eating. Um, everything is fruit and vegetables and meat, 
for me, um, very paleo. Um, and that way, if I do have a reaction of some sort, I can kind of guess what it was. Um, and the chances of it happening are a lot less because, you know, sugars, carbs are way more likely to cause inflammation in your body. Um, and that's, you know, throughout this whole process, autoimmune process, I've read so many books um, about autoimmune protocol, which is basically an elimination diet. Um, that I'm at a point now where it's just, this is my life. I have to pretty much eat paleo. And then, you know, every now and then I reward myself. I have to, you know, I'm, yeah. like, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking Starbucks right now. It, it is what it is, but I right. pay for it. I've had times where I'm like, I just want a milkshake. And that is one of the worst things I can do is eat ice cream. But sometimes you just gotta. So I do. And then I pay for it, and I'm like, I'm never doing that again. But it always happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can I relate. And um, I've actually jumped on the Noom bandwagon pretty recently. And some of the things that I'm learning from that is, is being helpful. Because it's not, not so much for a weight loss thing, although that's why the app was originally designed. But also because it's, it's identifying that moderation is key. And I don't know how to moderate. And for those things that I know that are going to trigger me, I need to find an alternative that satisfies me in the same way so that I don't go back and take that thing that I know is going to result in some fallout. Um, you know, I, I even found that cashew milk ice cream is really good. It's got that nice, thick, creamy texture, right? So yeah, it's not great for me because it still has a bunch of sugar, but if I'm going to do something like that and, and have that item, then at least reducing the number of triggers in it is helpful. Um, and I've also identified, and this is what, what brought this up, Becca, is when you said you're going to treat yourself, how many times I use food as my positive reinforcement. And I need to stop that. I need to find something else to use for that because um, food is using food for that is setting me up to fail, right? So I'm going to treat myself. Well, I'm not treating myself. I'm hurting myself, really. Uh, my brain, my emotion says yes, right? Yes, yes, give me that, give me that cheese, give me that thing. But in the long run, it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> I think that's brilliant because I think people do that all the time. And as soon as you start trying to eliminate, you know, certain problematic foods from your diet, you, you know, that's, that's generally where our brain goes to, you know, especially as like a positive reinforcement trainer, I think of what can I, oh, this could be my reinforcement. But, you know, obviously if I'm still eating the thing that's causing systemic inflammation, then maybe it's not the best choice for me in the long run. Have you found good alternatives of E, different ways that you can, you know, reinforce yourself or different, um, besides food, you know, other reinforcers? No, I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. <Not a> bit. <laughs> so, Becca, one thing that you mentioned that I thought was really great was learning to listen to your body and knowing what your body needs when. And obviously that's something that with a chronic illness, it is a big, long story of development. It takes a lot of time before you really do figure out what works for your body and you know what your body needs. Um, you mentioned stretching. Do you generally find that you are listening to your body and giving it what it needs as as you feel those symptoms or are you, you know, engaging in regular practices to kind of stay on top of things? I try to, you know, practice regular, regular things that I know my body is going to help. Um, stretching is kind of something that I'm just constantly doing. Um, 
no rhyme or reason to my stretches though because it's it's like this part hurts so i'm gonna stretch it but um listening to your body is a super super important thing um because you can you can find yourself in that extreme fatigue situation if you don't listen to your body and i've had that before where you know i push myself so hard that i'm then out for days and days and days and that's not fair to me or my dogs i've had times where and then it then it becomes a mental thing because then you feel bad you're guilty you didn't take the time for your dogs but you're taking the time for yourself but if you just managed it from the start it would have been okay but i think for me the hardest part isn't so much recognizing when i need rest it's the people around me recognizing it um, i'm sure you've all experienced that or it's just everybody has expectations for you whether it be work or family um, or friends or you know all these there's all these factors to it and people don't necessarily understand what's going on in your body and you know i've i've come to terms with I'm not going to try to put it, push it on to people, but now I'm at a point where I've recognized when I need to rest. So I'll just tell people straight out, I, I can't do A, B, and C because I'll be out for days if I don't take a break. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's hard. It's hard with work, of course, but even, even at work, just being transparent. um, I've learned, I used to be afraid to be. But now just being transparent with the people around me that, you know, I, I need help or I need to take a break. Um, it makes a huge difference. And letting people know that if you let me have a break now, I'm going to be much better off in the long run. And they're there for you or for help if you need me. Um, but I typically know that I need a break or rest because I start to feel brain fog. Um, that's a hallmark autoimmune. Um, symptom and the only way I can best describe it for anybody listening that doesn't or doesn't know that they have an autoimmune disorder um, is it's just this feeling that you're in a foggy haze um, all the time like you're functioning but everything is just a blur from you know you wake up in the morning and then all of a sudden it's nighttime and where did your day go or you start to forget things um, things that are normally easy for you are hard. And when I start feeling that I know that something's not right and that potentially things are going to get a lot worse really fast. So it's at that point that I try to figure out what's going on. And if I need to talk to my doctor or if I just need to rest, it's all about just listening to your body. Yeah. And you touched on something there that I think is really important for anybody that has chronic illness to be aware of and to figure out how to navigate is that your relationships with everybody change. Um, people that used to, you used to find, think of yourself as being reliable, right? And you're really pressing to be reliable and you can't be reliable anymore because you don't know if you're going to be able to go to that thing or not. You overcommit, right? Like I'm going to, yeah, I want to do all the things. Sure. I'll be there. And then the day of, you're like, nope, not going to happen. Um, and that's for all of our relationships, whether it's friends, family, or work. And, you know, as that process goes on, you know, you weed out the people that don't understand and can't handle that new version of you. And you, you're left with a smaller group of people that do accept that. But that's, that's one reason why I kind of gravitated to dry land mushing with my dogs and my dogs in general is because they don't care. 
I, I'm, I'm as reliable to them now as I was from the day they came home, whether I'm feeling good or not, because I'm still there, right? So they can, they can still come to me and get pets and, and curl up. And if I can't do the walk, then that's fine. We'll do something else instead. And that's, that's been probably the biggest struggle with chronic illness is watching my relationships with everything, including my relationship with myself, change. But with the dogs, it stayed the same. Yeah, I think it's also really, really important that as you're, you know, whether you've been diagnosed long term or short term, you need to listen to your body, like you guys were saying, and you need to hone in on early cues. Um, like Becca was saying with the brain fog, which is also like they have fibro, what they call fibro fog. It sounds very similar. Um, I, I call it like, you know, I'm, I'm processing at the speed of a toaster. Um, and, and usually for me also, like suddenly I find it hard to control my body temperature and I all like usually cold, but sometimes like hot flashes. Um, I have to walk myself through, like literally talk myself through, okay, I have to, I'm, I need to go unload the dogs because I've, I've run the team and I'm totally exhausted now and I'll have to walk myself through like things that should just be natural to me just to make sure I'm not missing a step. And it might be as simple as go back and check and make sure you didn't forget a dog when you're unloading like 15 to 20 of them. Um, you know, to go remind yourself once dogs are away, go back and double check, make sure all the locks and on the kennels are, are clipped correctly, stuff like that. Um, the other thing I think is really important when dealing with these illnesses is don't 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 set your sights on the moon right away like if you want to say like oh i want to run you know i want to be the, the top team at whatever race or i want to run the iditarod okay but what are all the steps you need to get there what you what i find helps me manage my illness and not kind of get really disappointed in myself is when i set small milestones that are achievable um you know like that one step up of okay i ran the trail this fast at this condition, um, if I work just a little bit harder or if I try something a little bit different, can I shave two seconds off my time? Not, I wanna run this two minutes faster in you know, in three runs. It, it, for me, it's all about making smaller milestones to get to that dream, but making sure that they are 100% achievable. The other thing is, is if you like, I'll wake up, and like, I'll have a plan for the whole week and I might get halfway through the week and everything's gone great. And then all of a sudden I hit a wall. And a lot of times I'll know within the first hour of getting up that it's not going to be a good day. Or sometimes I literally struggle to get out of bed. I just wake up in so much pain. Um, you know, you put your feet down and there's just shooting pain going through the top of your legs, um, into your feet, into your back. And the other thing I've learned is when you're in that sort of pain, you're not doing yourself or the dogs any favors to go out and work with them because that sort of pain is going to make you short. It's going to, you're going to be irritable and get aggravated at things. And the last thing you want to do is take that anger and pain frustration out on your dogs. So the best thing you can do is just have backup plans for everything and know that it's okay to miss a day or two as long as 
you you at some point get back on the horse, so to speak, that even if even if today is a wash, tomorrow's a fresh start and you you can try and make the best of it. But you do have to listen to your body. You do have to understand, like for me, um, I do get pre-symptoms now. Um, and if I ignore them, I'm literally going to hit a wall and I, I stop functioning. Um, like I, I literally can't think, I can't walk. You're almost like a, an infant who's so overtired and cranky that you, you physically now can't sleep, which doesn't do you any good, which is another huge thing is trying to manage how much sleep you get in a night, um, which isn't always easy. Cause I know for myself, I'll have a to-do list. And even if I don't realize I'm having a slower day, I might have 10 items on my list that on a great day I could get done, but now it's eight o'clock at night and I'm only on item, say five of the list I wanted to get done. And it's, you know, finding that balance of it's okay to stop because if I do push myself any further, I know tomorrow and possibly the next day, I'm going to be useless because I've pushed myself too far and it takes me that much longer to recover now. And especially as I get, get older or potentially the illness advances. Um, so I, you really just have to listen to yourself, make plans, and then be ready to adjust those plans and not feel guilty about them. As long as you're doing the best that you can and, and keeping your health and the dog's health in mind, I don't feel like you can do wrong by doing that. Almost everything you said, Lisa, just hit me in the feels so much. Um, I am the type of person and, and people who know me get this. Um, I My to-do list is always growing. Uh, it's I, The number of things I have on my calendar is often overwhelming. Um, and I... I don't like to sit and rest. And so that's been hard to learn how to sit and rest. It's been something I've had to work really hard on, on doing. Um, and I, I think it's so interesting how we can be so compassionate and so mindful with our dogs. And then we struggle, you know, doing the same thing for ourselves. And I loved what you said about setting really small milestones because it's exactly what we do with our dogs and dog training. We set really small goals that we can reach and, and that goes down to training a simple behavior and splitting it into small pieces so that we can reward them for it all the way up to big training plans. So I, I loved what you said about that because I think that's so true. We have to start looking at picture, big pictures split into small pieces and acknowledging how many things we can do instead of beating ourselves up about all the things that we can't do or don't get to today. When we are talking about our ability to train our dogs and get up and do all the things, I mean, full-time jobs, taking care of our dogs, all of that has a really big impact on our body. And it can definitely have an impact on our emotional well-being as well. We talked about some ways on how we can manage that. What, how do you guys kind of boost yourself back up when you are feeling down? Or are there certain things that you guys look to for inspiration that make you feel better on those days when you can't get out and do what you were set out to do? I know it's a tough question. <laughs> Vanessa's over there stretching, preparing herself to answer this. Um, I'll start with this one. So for me, um, I like to look at big picture goals. So I'll look at things out in the future and kind of think about uh, little steps I can achieve today in terms of 
helping me and my dogs reach that goal. And then I think the other thing that really stands out for me is actually along the lines of what Lisa was saying about splitting things into really small pieces and identifying that we can reward ourselves for those small pieces, you know, and, and being flexible in our training plan. So if I had something set out for the entire week, knowing that depending on how well I've cared for myself, I might wake up and not be able to do those things. And that used to get me really down because I would kind of beat myself up about it and get really frustrated. But now I'm starting to be a bit kinder to myself and um, give myself a break. You know, just like I would talk to a friend, I wouldn't beat a friend up about it. I would give him a hug and say, it's okay, take the rest you need. And you know, you can give it a go again tomorrow. Um, you know, are, are there certain things that do you guys set personal goals for yourself? Or how do you kind of deal with that anxiety and pressure that can come along with this? Well, as far as the struggle of getting out and getting, you know, being on your schedule to train your dogs, um, sleep is imperative for me. Um, just making sure I get enough sleep, I mean, can mean the difference. So I always try, if I know I'm going to be training in the morning, I try to go to sleep early, even earlier than I normally would. And I kind of commit to that. Um, that's just a huge thing. Um, and if I, you know, if I go to sleep with, pain I know I'm probably going to wake up with pain so that's you know I I have a lot of doctors <laughs> so um, if I have to take something I commit to taking it the night before so that I know that I'm able to go out um, but I often find when I'm done training even if it was miserable getting out there when I'm done training I'm a thousand times better um, in every way uh, pain wise and emotional wise than I was before I started. So I try to always remind myself that, um, the morning of like when my alarm goes off, sometimes I, I don't think it's possible. I will look at my alarm and be, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I just try to remind myself that I'm always happier after. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of how I manage that, but I try to keep to a pretty, pretty simple schedule. I don't push myself or my dogs. Um, for me, I commit Wednesday and weekend to running my dog or not necessarily running them, but training them. Um, they're pretty chill the rest of the week. Um, even now that I have a fenced in yard for them, they get a lot more stimulation and I can do a lot more with them. But up until this point, I mean, it's all about how you train your dogs too. And I've had to train them to be part of my life. So for, you know, for me, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm working 10 hour days. I come home um, and my fiance is already home, but it, the dogs just kind of, they know to be chill. And of course they're super excited if I ask them to go for a surprise adventure, but they're trained to be relaxed at home. So that helps with, that helps with my frustration and my guilt. I'm not coming home to dogs that are looking at me like they're longing to do something. They just, they're happy to be with me, but that's all training. So I, that's just a way that I've kind of developed my pack of dogs <laughs> to, to help me, but also just to have, you know, a peaceful environment so that when we do train, you know, I can put all my all in. I, I think that that's huge. You know, I know that you put a lot of effort into training your dogs in a variety of ways. Um, and when we think of our dog powered sports, we think of building endurance, building speed, building drive, 
you know, and what we often don't talk about is what happens when we're not doing those things, you know, and especially for somebody who could be derailed at the last minute unexpectedly and need a few days off doing nothing, you know, we really do need to create dogs that are also happy doing that. You know, dogs that when we say, I need a break, here's a food puzzle or go take a nap. They're like, sure, no problem. And that absolutely does come down to that training. I think that's a huge piece of it is creating a dog that you can live with at home, even if you can't go out and do the thing. I love that. Yeah. Like people talk a lot about dogs with good off switches and, um, you know, Malamutes are a breed where a lot of people think they're super high energy and need to go, 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 go all the, all the, all the, all the, all the time, all the time, more go. And that's, that's not actually what I've found with mine. They have fabulous off switches. Now, just like a toddler, if we go for multiple days without having a physical outlet, then yeah, they might start to get a little grouchy or something, but it's not like they're going to suddenly destroy my house or anything like that. You know, their, their off switches are, are pretty good, um, which is super, super helpful for those days when you just can't. And, you know, setting the small goals and not comparing yourself to everyone else in the sport has been a huge lesson for me to learn, whether that sport is a dog sport or something else. You know, I'm always beating myself up that I didn't train my dogs enough today, or I didn't train them at all today, or it's been three days since we went on a hike or something like that. And looking at my other dog friends that are healthy and active and every day they're doing the things, right? Well, that's okay. That's their life. That's not mine. And mine doesn't need to be that. It can be recreational mushing. It could be, you know, the, the things that work for me and for my family and my dogs. And that I think is probably a, a big lesson in how to get through, right? Because inevitably when I'm not getting the things done, that's where it starts to go to is comparing to everyone else that is. And I need to shut that down and be like, that's fine, but I'm doing this. I did the laundry today. Good for me. Good job. You did the thing. You know, I gave my dog a piece of cheese for sitting nice and tight and square. Good job. That's training. Good work. And, um, and learning to be content and okay with that. Tomorrow I can maybe reach for something bigger, but today that's what I accomplished and good job. Yeah, I think that's huge. And and again, I think that comes down to mindset and goal setting, you know, just kind of learning to readjust things based on how we're feeling and knowing that we might not be able to do things that other people can do or be as fit as we wanted or whatever, you know, kind of negative or challenging thoughts are coming into our brain. But being able to be comfortable with who we are and just do the best you can each day. I think that's huge. Well, I want to thank all of you for coming on this evening and talking about this. It's something that oftentimes we don't talk about, you know, because being open and being vulnerable can be really hard. But I think it's also a really important aspect of the dog sport is taking care of yourself and knowing when you need those off days and knowing when you need, you know, that supplemental therapy of massages or stretching or whatever, you know, to kind of get you through, reduce your inflammation, um, knowing what causes inflammation, knowing what helps you. And I think all of that for each person that deals with chronic illness, it's going to be a different learning journey and it's going to be a lot of trial and error 
for everyone, you know, figuring out what works for you and what doesn't. I've certainly tried lots of things that don't help me at all, you know, and then you try something, you know, my, my coaches recommended I try ice baths after running and it was miserable, but it made a huge difference in my inflammation. So being open-minded to trying different things and, and figure out what works for you. Uh, before we sign off here, does anybody have any kind of last minute tips or advice or uh, stories about kind of accepting the journey that they want to share? It's a hard journey. I'm still working on accepting it. And I had my diagnosis in 2013, right? So that's a long time. Um, accepting that I'm not the person I used to be and allowing myself to mourn the death of the person that was, right? Because that that's a whole different existence now and it's not my existence anymore. And allowing myself to go through that and to grieve that so that I can then move on and have a new existence, right? It's, it's different. It may not be what I choose or what I wanted to choose, but I still have choices within the boundaries of, of what I can do and, and have now. Um, and that's an ongoing thing, but you know, for anybody out there with chronic illness, it's okay to be devastated at what you've lost, but don't let that stop you either, right? Like you got to find new ways to think, new ways to take care of yourself and new ways to uh, stay active and engaged with things that you're passionate about. And it's hard, but we all, we all get there eventually. Yeah. I've got three beautiful women sitting in front of me and all of you have figured out a way to make it work. And it's certainly still a challenge, uh, but you're making it work at very different levels in the sport. And I'd love to see that. Further to like the goals and milestones with your team is being able to understand that you have you have limitations that you have to to live with now and maybe someday they some days they don't affect you and then out of nowhere wham you have a bad day and it you know for me it's even just breaking down that day and saying okay it's okay to go back to bed or it's okay to stop for a while um and i'll i'll check in with myself in an hour or two and see how i am you know, and then going from there and saying, okay, I can recover this from my day or this is not recoverable. And, 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 you know, as we talked about before, basically embracing that side of yourself, mourning what you've lost and not always comparing yourself to other people because I know with like fibromyalgia um, and flare-ups and stuff like that, I'm, I'm lucky they usually don't last too many days in a row, but they can hit and they can hit mildly or they can hit really hard and, and it can make you miserable. And you just, you know, you, you just take it one step at a time. Um, and as you said, your friend circle might get smaller because they don't understand why you behave different or why, you know, you almost seem to distance yourself from people, but you just get to a point where you're like, I, I can't do everything I could do at one point in my life. And I need to accept that. And if you can't accept that, then, you know, you're not, you're not a healthy aspect of my life. So, and it's sad and it's just what you have to do to make sure that you don't, you don't fall down a rabbit hole that you can't climb out of. So just checking in with yourself and, you know, saying, I can do, I can do this and this today, even though I had planned to do three times that much and being okay with that. And the other thing is with our dogs, like we build these amazing relationships with them. 
And most of the time, my dogs know I'm having a bad day the moment I, I move into the kennel. And it's not because I'm angry or necessarily grumpy or whatever. I, they can feel my energy and they know that I'm not having a good day. And I feel because of like the time and energy we spend together that in some ways they're, they're quite compassionate to that. I mean, you know, sometimes they're mischievous and they might try to take advantage of it within the own pack for their own reasons. But for the most part, like I find that when I'm having a really bad day, you know, it almost seems like the dogs don't scream or jump as much or, you know, they, they are actually a little bit calmer with me on that day, which is, is great as we were talking about how performance dogs, um, you know, especially sled dogs do have an off switch. So they're not these crazy, like high drive screamers day and night, um, which is another really important aspect is if we have built that bond and that love with our dogs, they're going to stick with us and they're not going, well, they're not going to judge us ever. They're just, always happy to see us no matter what and you know if we are having a bad day that's that's some of the things that help me pull through it is just knowing that the dogs don't judge me and they don't care if I didn't get everything done on my list as long as we got to see each other at some point that day I just wanted to just remind people too I'm really big on awareness with especially chronic illness is you know if you're out there listening to this right now and any of this resonates with you at all go investigate and find a doctor that works with you and try to figure it out sooner rather than later and don't be afraid to because the sooner you can find help and learn about what's going on in your body the sooner you can function and the sooner you can get back to doing the things that you love and um and if if you are an autoimmune or chronic pain sufferer, you can still do anything that you set your mind to. It's just a matter of managing it. All of us, all four of us that are here all run sled dogs. And that in itself, you know, knowing that we all have some kind of chronic condition every day that we deal with and being able to do that is amazing. Um, so if, you know, if this resonates with you, then definitely look into it more and try to get it figured out. And there's people out there that can be there for support as well. So, and know that that journey might not be as streamlined as you're imagining it. You know, I know that we've all had our own experiences with the diagnosis process and it, it's quite a journey and there's lots of ups and downs, but there is help out there. And like, like you said, said, Becca, you can do it. It might look a little different. The journey might uh, look a little bit more like a roller coaster instead of climbing straight up a mountain, but you will be able to get out there and still do what you want to do, which I think is amazing. So Becca, Vanessa, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, I think it's such an important chat and it's so nice to know that there's so many talented people out there still doing what they love, you know, just here for the learning journey, c continuing to learn what their body needs and learning how to take care of it. And I really appreciate you guys coming on and uh, chatting about it. So thank you for being here. So until next time, have fun chasing tails on the trails.